Welcome to Jersey Guys Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Charlotte Knights. And I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about kind of a potpourri of topics. The New York Rangers seem back on track. They won twice over the weekend, beating Boston on the road Saturday after trailing late. Rutgers won 83-61 over Long Island University, but they really need to pick up their game. And the New York Giants started to look again like their old selves against the Saints on Sunday, and they lost 24-6. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with the New York Rangers. Uh, the Rangers got four points this weekend, actually, winning a pair of games against the Anaheim Ducks and against the mighty Boston Bruins. After winning 5-1 to one on Friday, the Rangers flew to Boston, ended up beating Boston 2-1 to one in overtime on Saturday after trailing for much of the game. And Saturday's game against Boston was really kind of a big one for the Rangers as they had been playing fairly poorly over the last two or three weeks, particularly defensively and particularly in goal. Uh, Igor has not been himself lately, and I think if you ask anyone to a man how he's been playing, they would say he's not the old Igor over the last week or two. So he's had some downs the past couple weeks, and he needs to pick his game up. But he is, you know, certainly going to turn out to be great again. It's just a matter of time with him. And he played pretty well this game, I would say, but the Rangers played much better defensively in front of him, so he wasn't forced to make that many great saves. But he was definitely solid, and he didn't really give up any bad goals, which he has had a tendency to do over the last three or four weeks of the year here. And it's something that uh, he's got to stop doing. No more leaky goals here. Certainly the Bruins were a test, at least, of the Rangers kind of medal. And this time they passed the test. They've actually beat the Bruins two different times this year. This 2-1 road overtime victory. And earlier in the year, they beat the uh, Bruins 7-4, I believe it was. They were much better defensively this time most of the night, although they struggled offensively, you know, throughout really the whole game against what is really a great Boston team, you know, defensive effort that they played for sure. And also the game was kind of a chippy affair. For anyone that watched it, you saw there was lots of hits and kind of little sticks and pushing and shoving. There was a couple little scruffles and um, lots of penalties too. <laughs> a lot of penalties were called. Uh, the Rangers went on the power play a lot and finally, finally, you know, made one count at the end. Ryan Lindgren in particular, by the way, got hit about a million times throughout the game. It was unbelievable how many times he gets punished. I don't know if it's the angle he takes of the puck or how he handles it at the last minute, but he seems to get pummeled so many times throughout his career. It's amazing. And he just keeps coming back. Matter of fact, Pasternak for Boston, their superstar, got ejected after taking a five-minute major for boarding. Um against Lindgren. And so, yeah, uh, Pasternak was gone and it was one of a lot of penalties and a lot of, you know, big hits and, and kind of, you know, tough sort of playoff like atmosphere there. The Rangers power play though, finally, finally came through, you know, to, to knock the game one, one late in the third period, they were down one, nothing, um, since really the start of the second period and then into the third and the Rangers had been 0 for 5 on previous power plays and finally knotted up on a Trocek goal on a beautiful pass uh, by Mika. And uh, Trocek put it in and tied the game at 1. And the Rangers' power play has been absolute money for the Rangers this year. Again, they have a great, great power play, and they have a bunch of stars on it. And if you you know think about... 
Trocek, who I didn't like last year, is playing better on the power play this year. He was the one person I didn't like. And if you look at the rest of them, you got Mika and Kreider and Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. And there probably isn't a better four people out of five on any one power play on any other team. So um, there's good reason why the Rangers power play is strong and it came through in a big spot. Uh, when overtime came, uh, the Rangers completely controlled overtime. Basically, Won the opening faceoff, and I don't think, if I remember correctly, they gave up the puck the entire overtime, um, which is something that I hate, by the way. And they're talking about changing the rules on I read. Uh, but that point aside for the moment, um, Boston never really had control of the puck, and the Rangers held it and went in the zone and out of the zone and in the zone and out of the zone and eventually scored. And basically, Trocek scored again, um, Nodding both of the Rangers goals and the Rangers went home happy with a 2-1 overtime road victory over the Bruins. <clears throat> the Rangers now once again own the NHL's best record and the Rangers take on Toronto Tuesday night. So let's go Rangers. I'm going to move on to talk about Rutgers basketball now. Rutgers basketball beat Long Island University 83-61 on Saturday at the Rack. Uh, Cliff Amore had a really big game and opposed his will on the inside. Jermichael Davis, <coughs> excuse me, played pretty well, as did Moat Mag. It was, though, still a seven-point game about midway through the second half, which against a you know low major like Long Island University is too close. Um, then Moat Mag hit two big shots, a, a nice two-pointer and then a big three-pointer. Uh, to have Rutgers pull away a little bit, and Rutgers never really looked back from that point in route to an 83-61 win. Now, LIU is a poor team. I mean, they have net ranking somewhere down in, I don't know, the friggin' 300s or something. And for a team like that, when Rutgers is playing at home, the game was much closer than it should have been for really long stretches of this game. Uh, Rutgers has to get its shit together um, on basketball. I know that this is going to be a relative down year for Rutgers basketball. Um, and, and, you know, maybe time will tell, and maybe there's some folks that might have some things to say about that, particularly how well Griffiths develops and Jermichael Davis and some others. But um, also having Mag back finally might change things a little bit for the better for Rutgers. But even so, um, early indicators are that this might be a down year for Rutgers basketball until next year when we have the two outstanding recruits and the rest of the good recruiting class coming in. But even so, Rutgers has to pay a little better attention to details and has to get better production from even some veterans here. Noah Fernandez in particular was had a just friggin' awful game. He had several terrible, terrible turnovers. I don't know what the frig he was doing. Just fucking lazy passes and trying to fit the ball in between two others. Really dumbass fucking passes. A couple of them were in really big spots too. And um, it was annoying to see, and it's something that cannot happen when we play better teams. We're going to be playing Mississippi State on Saturday, and not too long after, we're going to have you know all the Big Ten games. And Noah Fernandez cannot be doing that shit, you know, against Big Ten teams. So he had a terrible, terrible game all around. Noah Fernandez, just just a bad game. Um, in particular, not in particular, but in general, Rutgers reverted to itself, like it always does. Our free throws were once again awful. Our three-point shooting was dreadful again. This is a season-long issue with the Scarlet Knights, and they were on full display again on Saturday. Bad free-throw shooting, bad three-point shooting. At one point, we were two for 11 on free throws. I mean, 
How does a college basketball team with the talent that Rutgers has be two for 11 on fucking free throws? And the worst part of it for me, again, not the worst part of it, but to make it even worse, some of them were on front ends of one and one. So that that's what really bothers me is you only have 0 for 1 in the stat book, but you really have a chance for two points here and you come out with zero. So you know, two for 11, but almost even worse. And that just can't be. Only in the end, uh, Derek Simpson was six for six at the line, and that saved us at the end from looking even more dreadful than we did at the end of the day. But really, really bad stuff. Um, Rutgers, just to sort of put a point on this, ended up being 13 for 26 from the free throw line, and that is an even 50%. And that includes Derek Simpson's six for six. So if you take away that six for six, that's seven for 20 on the line. Seven for 20 from everyone else. That's just disgusting free throw shooting. And again, some of them were the front end of the one-on-one, so you're missing even more points. <clears throat> Seven for 20 just can't cut it. It just can't. Um, Rutgers three-pointers, four for 20. Again, we just kept missing open ones. A few of them were contested, but <clears throat> the ones that bother me is when you, you have some good passing, you know, some good, you know, assist-like passing, meaning that you're, you're you're driving, you're dishing, you're moving the ball quickly. You have a wide open three-pointer and you miss it or you're not even close. And <clears throat> again, some of our shooters today, same thing. Hyatt missing open shots. Gavin Griffiths missing open threes. <clears throat> Simpson, a couple others, just not good from three-point range. And I don't understand individually to cap how the game was. And by the way, I, I should have spent more time saying how good Cliff Amore was. He was just dominant on the inside, as he should be against a low major team with no great center to defend him. And he imposed his will inside. It was great. Um, he had 25 points. I think he had 17 at halftime or something. He had a lot. Um, but he played 30 minutes. He had 25 points and 11 rebounds and three blocks. Um, Jermichael Davis had a good game. Um, he ended up with 12 points. Um and, and filled out the stat line, too. He had four rebounds and three assists and no turnovers, which is great. And speaking of filling out the stat line, Mawat Mag, 10 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, and two blocks, right? Boy, that really fills in a lot of gaps for Rutgers. And certainly, you know, having him back is great. On the other end of the spectrum, Noah Fernandez, dog shit. One fucking point, 0 for 6 on field goals, one for two on free throws, and he turned the ball over three friggin' times. Just a terrible, terrible, terrible game. Um, and Simpson ended up with 10 points, and he also added a couple rebounds, assists, and steals. And again, he shot, you know, six for six at the free throw line. Again, but only two for seven from, you know, the field. So, and that includes 0 for 3 on three-pointers. Uh, Gavin Griffiths was 0 for 4 on three-pointers. Just, you know, not good. Just not, not good at all. I mean, we have to be better than that shooting threes and just better than that shooting overall. So Rutgers won by 20-something points, but it did not feel like a great win, particularly because of how close it was most of the game. Um, it just It's just something that Rutgers has to get better at. Um Rutgers next takes on Mississippi State, uh, a team from the SEC that is really good. We're playing at a neutral site up again at Newark at the Rock on Saturday where we beat Seton Hall a week or two ago. Rutgers needs to pick up their frigging game by a lot if they hope to win that game. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. So that's all I have for the Rutgers section of the podcast. Let's move on and talk about the Giants. 
Very quickly here, I'm going to talk about the Giants, and this is going to be very brief. The Giants looked awful on Sunday, losing 24-6 to the New Orleans Saints um, on Sunday. The Saints are also a losing team, if anyone was wondering. They're a 6-7 and seven team, um, but in their division, they're in first place, though, so it's it's great to be 6-7 and seven in their division as opposed to you know the Giants division, but... The Giants looked uh, pretty awful. Uh, they reverted back to their normal selves. Uh, the Tommy DeVito magic kind of wore off, and the Giants' offensive line once again looked just terrible, terrible, awful. Um, the offensive line was offensive. I mean, that's all you can say. We gave up seven more sacks, and DeVito was okay, but he kind of held the ball too much on a couple occasions, but many other occasions he didn't have many much time at all. The offensive line didn't create a lot of uh, lanes to run in. Uh, Barkley didn't get very very many runs, and this time I won't blame it on him. He did actually try to hit the holes quickly for once, but still nothing. Um, it, the offensive line, you know, did not stand up to what is a good defense apparently in the Saints, and the Giants look like their their old selves again. And the Giants' defense, by the way. Um, wasn't great either. Um, they only got one sack. They allowed a few big plays. They had a very costly pass interference fucking call penalty on a third and goal. I don't know. Um, DeVito had some magic for a couple weeks, but, you know, I guess that can only go so far on a team that's, you know, inherently this bad. Um, Jalen Hyatt, our wide receiver, dropped a few passes. I just, I don't have a good feeling about him. He's a lot of talk and not a lot of uh, production from him, so I don't I don't particularly like him very much. And speaking of Devito, um, even though I talked about him holding the ball too much, he actually ran uh, on tried to scramble on one, got hit, his head bounced off the turf. This is right before halftime, and he had to be taken off and left under concussion protocol, so he missed a little bit of the game. But he started the second half, and then he ended up being fine. The Giants, like a lot of teams, but even more so than most, end up getting these plentiful and and weird injuries the rangers the rangers the giants have had so many so many injuries to so many players this year which you know it makes diagnosing the team harder right because the team is bad a 100% healthy giants team is not a good football team but you take away some of their key people and it makes it harder to diagnose oh was it because of this or was it because of injury right you don't have your starting quarterback for most of the year you don't have Andrew Thomas for a lot of the year, right? You, you don't have your all-star kicker for most of the year. You don't have this guy. You don't have that guy. A lot of people were hurt for, for much of the year, so it certainly doesn't help you much. Darren Waller just came back this game. He's been out for a while, right? Even your backup quarterback was out. We were playing our third string, so we've had many, many, many injuries. But, you know, somehow you can inherently feel that this is just not a good Giants team. Um, certainly it starts with the offensive line and you take it from there. Um, but the defense certainly wasn't great either. Um, the defense gets more praise than it's due in my mind. They're fine at times, but I feel like they just get overpraised because the offense is so bad. So it looks like the defense is better and it is comparatively, but not objectively if you compare it to the other defenses in the league. In any case, the defense allowed some big plays. They had that big pass interference call. They had all of one sack. I don't know. They were fine, but, you know, they certainly didn't help in certain situations. Um, I honestly don't have too much to say, I got to say, about this game, other than 
this seems more like how the Giants really are than the last couple games where there was this fun um, DeVito magic and all the Italian stuff and a little three-game winning streak. And, you know, people got to feel good. And that's always great when you're rooting for a football team. You need some of that to, you know, just cheer your spirits and stuff. But in the end, I think um, when the season is over, we're going to kind of feel like we feel today. And that is that we almost wish, you know, that we've had a better draft pick, meaning that we didn't win some of those stupid Washington games and a couple other ones because this team has to be fixed, both in free agency and probably more than more than not the draft. And specifically, we need a franchise quarterback, a real one. Daniel Jones is not it. We, we need one. And the lower we drop in the draft order, you know, the harder it's going to be to get one. But um, today... You know, it, it felt like this is the normal team that we have this year, as opposed to the last couple of weeks where it felt like we were kind of a different team, even though it felt a little like smoke and mirrors last couple of weeks, where this feels like the actual Giants team. And it's not a good feeling, but it is something that I think, you know, people's eyes should open and, and note that this is our team and that it wasn't the team, the, <laughs> the last three weeks that were the real team. I, th- I think this is the real team. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just the truth. It's how the Giants are. They're not a good football team, people. And the folks that are trying to will it to be something else are trying to will it out of reality. And I'm sorry, guys. And I'm not saying this in a malicious way. And I'm a big Giants fan. But this team is not good. It's just not good. And, you know, we have to face reality because the only way that we're going to improve it is to take a good, honest look properly assess our talent and make the proper changes. And that certainly starts a quarterback and the offensive line, and you could take it from there. But for now, Giants lose 24-6. to uh, They move to 5-9 and nine on the season, and they have three more games in the season, <laughs> two of which are against the Eagles. So there you go. Um, that's basically it. I think that's all I'm going to talk about today, and I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Like it if you can, depending on your platform here. Tell your friends about it. See if you can get them to say, listen to the Jersey guy, dude. Check them out. Anyway, I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.